Yes, uh, Pastor Herbert said we kicked off this series last week, You Asked For It, where back in Easter, uh, all of you uh, turned into uh, Pastor Herbert and the campus pastors, uh, this great network of, of multi-site church here at People's Church, with some of the things you wanted to hear about, some of the most hot topics, things that you're, you're dealing with. So last week, the number one issue was stress. So Pastor Herbert talked about stress. I guess, I guess you, you all have a lot of stress here in Oklahoma City. Maybe since KD left town, I don't know if that's, is it too soon? I'm sorry. Hey, how about them Cowboys? All right. All right. All right. Okay. I thought I lost you for a minute there, people. Sure. Come on back. Come on back. We're going to have some fun today. All right. We're going to have some fun today. But the, I guess the number two issue you're dealing with here in Oklahoma City is, uh, uh, is difficult people. Uh, difficult people. So I want to talk to you today about how to deal with difficult people. Uh, does anybody have a difficult person in their life, like right now? Oh, you're sitting next to them? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you hitched your wagon to one? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're raising one, okay. Oh, you work for one? Oh, I get it, all right. There's a lot of difficult people out there, isn't that true? A lot of difficult, here's, you, you talked about stress last week, you talked about difficult people this week. Here's, here's what I would guess. The number one cause of stress in your life is dealing with the difficult people. Can I get an amen in the house of God today? All right, all right, all right. All right, I'm in the right place then, okay. But there's difficult people everywhere. My wife, uh, Becca, she was doing some Christmas shopping uh, recently. She goes to the, the outlets, and the outlets are just packed with people. Uh, they come in from Jersey and New York to, do, to shop in the Poconos, because in Pennsylvania, we don't have any sales tax uh, on our clothes. So they come in by the busloads to our outlets, and, and, and they can shop, and, and the parking lot's always packed, and Becca's circling the parking lot. You know how it is this time of year, trying to find a parking spot. It's very stressful, and she finally finds one, and, and she, she's uh, sending a text, and, and she didn't realize there was a woman who had just parked in the spot next to her and this woman gets out of her car while Becca's still in the car and this woman just opens her car door and she slams her door into our car. And so it was on the passenger side so Becca, you know, politely, she puts the window down and she says, oh, excuse me, ma'am. I think you just hit my car with your door. Well, this woman just loses it. She starts screaming and yelling at my good thing, the audacity and, um, and Becca, and she, Becca, is, you know, she's typically, she's not a fighter. She's a, she's, a, she's a lover. And, you know, I got four kids, man. She can't keep her hands off me. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. I'm a man with feelings. Can't you just hold me? I'm not a robot. Come on, woman. And um, I'm sorry. Can I say that here? Is that all right? Um, and so she's like, yeah, you just hit my car with your door. And this woman starts screaming and yelling. She like marches around the front of the car. She comes over to Becca's, you know, uh, window and she's shaking her bony finger in her face. And Becca's like getting scared and she's like snarling at her. She's got summer teeth, Becca. You know, summer teeth. Summer here and summer there. And <laughs> and um, she's snarling. She, she, Becca said her weave almost flew right off her head. Can you say that here? Is that all right? Um, and so I'm like, Becca, what did you do? She says, well, I'll tell you what, I, I got right out of the car and I looked at her in the face and I said, you want some of this white chocolate? Come on! 
we're going to do this. Come on, Cletus. I mean, come on. I'm like, you did what? She said, oh, I didn't do that. She said, I wished her a Merry Christmas, and I pulled away, and I was crying. I was so upset. I didn't know what to do. And, um, but this world is full of difficult people, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that true? I, I went to our, our local grocery store the other day, and there was a shop right, and I was in a hurry, and I ran in just to get a few items and had my little basket and put them in there, and I was in a hurry, so I, I, I headed for the, the, the express checkout lane. Ten, I, there's a sign and it says, 10 items or less. Have you ever seen this sign? And so I'm, I'm kind of moving at a pretty quick pace. And as soon as, just as I get to where the express checkout, did, did I mention it's an express checkout lane? And this woman with this cart of groceries, she kind of just butts right in front of me. And, and, and she goes in line in front of me and she's, you know, starting to pull all her items out of her cart. And so naturally, I'm standing there behind her. I'm a little bit perturbed. I'm in a hurry, and she cut right in front of me. And I stand there behind her cart, and guess what I start to do? That's right. You're all sick and twisted like I am, right? I started counting her items. And I, I quit counting at, like, 17. And I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. No, I didn't. I just stood there like you would, and I... And I thought about all the things I'd like to say in that moment. Like, oh, I didn't realize I'm in the presence of greatness. You must be the queen of ShopRite because the rules don't apply to you. Should I bow down? I think I do need therapy. I don't know. Uh, but I'm like, oh, you're, you're more important than everybody else. I guess you're busier than I am. And you cut off me. And you got 17 items. And, you know, I, I don't know. Um, difficult people. Difficult people everywhere. How many, how many have a difficult, we all, difficult, maybe a coworker, a neighbor, a, a, a boss, a, a, a spouse, uh, somebody that, that is difficult. Raise your hand if you've got a difficult person, come on, in, in your life. Now look around, because some of you aren't raising your hand. You're like, well, I don't, I don't have, well, I don't have. Hey, I don't want to be Johnny Raincloud here, but if you didn't raise your hand, most likely, chances are pretty good that you are the difficult person in someone else's Life. Touch your neighbor, say, this message is for you, baby. This message is for, this message is for, for you. And when you come to the Christmas story, we're so familiar with it, we don't realize that it's jam-packed with a cast of characters that are difficult people. I mean, every turn of the page, you meet in the Christmas story another difficult person. I mean, you come to King Herod, he was a difficult person. Uh, he, you know, he was there under Ro uh, Roman uh, authority and rule. They were the occupying force in Israel at the time. And, and so he was placed there by the emperor himself to be the king of the Jews, his name was Herod. This, he, he, was a, he was a madman, and this, 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 this was the cause of a lot of consternation among uh, the, the, the Jewish people themselves. In fact, there was many splintering factions within the Israeli leadership as to plot. There was many that were plotting to overthrow Herod because of the nasty things, the difficult things that, that, that he made people do. He killed his own wife. 
He killed several of his own children, his boys and relatives. He preserved his wife in honey so he could exhume her whenever he wanted to. This guy was messed up. Talk about it. He, he liked to be called Herod the Great because he was so great in his own eyes. And one day the wise men who were from uh, former Babylonia, now the Persian Empire, and they had seen the celestial sign in the sky, that star that would rise, and they followed it to Israel, and they stopped in to see Herod before they found Jesus, and they said, we're looking for the king of the Jews, and he's thinking, well, you found him, that's me. But he didn't do that. He was way too politically savvy to do that because when, when, when the wise men, a lot of us think that there was three wise men. The Bible never says there were three wise men. The Bible says there were three gifts. Only three gifts. But the, these wise men, when they rolled into town, the Bible says that, that all of Israel shook with fear, including King Herod, because it wasn't just three guys riding in on camels. No, these were the king makers of their day. The long descendants that heard through the prophet Daniel, this one Messiah who would come and be born the king of the Jews and save the people from their sins. And now finally, they, they come these magi, these kingmakers come to Israel looking for this king and they roll in with probably thousands of armed guards, massive tanks and Humvees and you know, machine guns and missile launchers and RPG. I mean, they, they would roll in and all of Israel shook with fear, including Herod. And he decides to play it slow and smooth. He says, well, listen, when you find this king of the Jews, would you let me know too so that I may also worship him? Of course, the Holy Spirit reveals to the wise men that his, his motives aren't true and when they leave after finding Jesus, they go another route. And when Herod learns this, look what he did. Matthew chapter two, verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region. Most biblical scholars believe there's about a thousand people living in Bethlehem at the time. Statistically, the birth rates probably would have been at least 20 little infant boys that were murdered that first Christmas. Well, that's depressing. Aren't you glad to, you came to church today? Hi, my name's Dave Crosby. I'm here to encourage all of you. <laughs> Talk about being a difficult person. He was difficult. Then there was Caesar. He was the emperor of Rome. And because of all of the Roman uh, expansion efforts to grow the empire, they ran out of money. And what does a government do when it runs out of money? They raise taxes. Does anybody know the pain of a difficult leader who raises their taxes, right? That's not fun, is it? When your taxes go, go up. He raises taxes, and in order to raise his taxes, he, he, he issues this decree so he can find out what his population base is. And he issues the decree in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered why? To determine how many people they had so that they could determine the tax base. People registered for the purpose of taxation. So people were forced not only to pay higher taxes, but they were forced to travel back to the place of their birth to be registered. And there you come to the very heart 
of the Christmas story itself. This young couple had fallen madly in love, barely out of their teenage years. Mary and Joseph. They're engaged to be married. They registered down at Super Target down there. They just, they were having fun, clicking everything. They were just walking around. All their, all their dreams were wrapped up in maybe just having a little apartment just far enough away from, from their parents so that they could have a life of their own, but kind of close just in case they needed a little bit of help. And then one day, Mary starts taking on a little weight. But Joe's too nice of a guy to say anything about it. Do these jeans make me look fat? <laughs> you know? Joe's like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. And she doesn't have any clue what's going on with her body until one day an angel of the Lord shows up and says, Mary, you are highly favored above all other women. You're pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though you're a virgin, now you are with child and you have a child and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Well, she's, she's confused. She has no clue what's going on. She, she is, she's beside herself. She runs to her, to her cousin, Elizabeth, and they're trying to get their hands around uh, what's going on, and she finally realizes that she, she's gonna have to break the news to Joseph. So she's like, hey, uh, Joey. Sweetheart, you might wanna sit down for this one. There's something I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> you know, I've been... I've been putting on a little weight. Well, here's what happened. An angel of the Lord visited me and told me that I was highly favored and that I'm pregnant and, and I'm going to have a baby and the baby's going to be God. And like any other man, Joseph looks at her and says, Mary, what have you been smoking? Are you kidding me? Like, he did that way too well. I don't know. Um, Like, I was born at night, but not last night. Are you kidding me? Why are you being so difficult? Why don't you just confess? Why don't you just fess up to what you have done, Mary? Oh, and he was upset, and he was wanting to divorce her. A big fight. I mean, have you ever loved somebody but been angry with them at the same time? Have you ever been there? Like, you want to just slap them down the stairs and run down and catch them and say, now, don't hurt yourself. Like, have you ever been there? <laughs> oh, you haven't been there? Just get married. You'll figure it out pretty quick what that feels like. And so he wants to divorce her. He thinks she's being so difficult. Her parents think she's being difficult. And you're going to tarnish our good family name? Come on, Mary. You want us to buy this? You want us to believe this? And he's ready to divorce her until an angel of the Lord, he, sh he shows up in Joseph's life. And he says to Joseph, everything Mary has told you is true. So now Joseph has to change course and go back to Mary and say, hey, Mary, <laughs> honey, you might want to sit down, sweetheart, for this. You know how you told me you're pregnant and I'm not the father, it's the Holy Spirit and the baby's going to be God. And I was struggling, Mary, because you could understand my struggle with that, you remember? Well, you know, an angel of the Lord appeared to me, and guess what, Mary? Everything you told me was true. 
As a man, have you ever had to go back to your wife and say to her, honey, you were right and I was wrong? Whoo, that's messed up. Isn't that hard? That's hard, isn't it? And she looks, he looks at her and says, you were right and I was wrong. And she's like, well, of course I was right. You never listened to me, Joey. What's wrong with you? You think I was lying to you? And there's this tension and then there's this friction. And now at the same time, they've got to travel back to the place of his birth to register for the census. And I'm sure they're still not talking. Have you ever been in a car ride with your spouse and you had not talking? That's a tough car ride, right? And they weren't in some like, you know, nice Honda Odyssey minivan or some Yukon Tahoe or something. No, they are, they are on foot. She's on the back of a donkey on a rough and rocky, dangerous road. All because of a difficult person put them in this scenario. And you wonder... Why, when we read the Christmas story, why, when we look and we survey the landscape of, 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 of our lives, why does God allow or does he cause so many difficult people to be at the heart of our story? Here's why. I'll share one thought with you. Go ahead and write this down. Even pretend to write it down because it'll make me feel a whole lot better about what I'm doing up here right now. <laughs> Here's why God allows difficult people in our lives. God uses difficult people to develop our faith. God uses, yeah, if you want to clap, come on, let's really clap now. Come on, for the Lord here. This, don't give me this like golf clap, come on. Give me like an OKC thunder clap. Where's that? Oh, that, come on now. All right, that's thunder up, all right. God uses difficult people to develop our faith. Listen, friend, faith isn't built on the mountaintop when the sun is shining and the birds are singing. It's easy to have faith when God shows up and he delivers. Faith isn't built there. No, faith is built when you're in the valley and your ex-spouse is driving you nuts and your kids are making you miserable and everybody's catty at the, at the, at the office and your boss is unreasonable. Faith is built in the dark and difficult times of life because God He does his greatest work and he does his deepest work in the most difficult circumstances amongst the most difficult people. And God allows difficult people into our lives. Not to hurt us, but to help us. To develop us into the character of Christ. I mean, after all, what is God's goal? What is his purpose for your life and my life? Does it not say in Romans chapter eight, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. In other words, this is his plan. This is his purpose. What is it? To be conformed to the image of his son. Would you say that with me? To be conformed to the image of his son. That means that it's God's plan. It's his will. It's his purpose to conform us to make us, to build us, to develop us, to become more like his son Jesus. That's God's goal for your life and my life. And you say, how does God do that? He often uses difficult people to develop us into the character of Christ. That's why the Bible says, in Romans chapter five, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are 
good for us. What's good for us? Problems and trials and difficult people. Why are they good for us? Because they help us to learn to endure. And endurance develops the strength of character in us. God uses difficult people to develop our faith, to help us to become more like his son, Jesus Christ, to develop character. You say, what is character? Character is when you have the attributes and the qualities, the characteristics of Jesus evident in your life. How do you know they're evident? They're just gonna start to show up. They'll show up. You say, what, are, what, are, what is the evidence that, that Christ lives inside of you? The Bible tells us very clearly in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? The fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the, the, fruit, of the, the fruit of the Spirit? It says this in Galatians 5, 22, is love. Everybody say love. love. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience. Peace. Kindness. Goodness. Come on. Faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Against all these things, there is no law. Here's what God's trying to do. He uses difficult people to develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit to conform you to the image of, of, of his son, Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does God do that? Here's how he does that. He puts people into our lives that create circumstances and situations that are the exact opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. That's how God does it. If he wants to teach us how to love, is he gonna put a person that's easy to love in our life? No. It's easy to love people who are lovable. God's not gonna put a lovable person in your life if he's trying to teach you how to love. He's going to put a complete moron into your life who is unlovable, who is not worthy of your love, who doesn't deserve your love. God allows difficult people into our lives to develop the character of Christ. You say, uh, how, how would God develop love? By putting unlovable people. Listen, people aren't perfect, but they can be perfectly loved. Gang, you can never go wrong loving people. You can never go wrong in the face of evil, returning good, taking the high road. That's why the Bible says, love never fails. How's God gonna develop joy? By putting you in easy circumstances? No, he's gonna put you in dark, dark, difficult circumstances, surrounded by difficult people who make life miserable for you so that you can understand joy. And what joy really is, is not based on your outward uh, circumstances. It's based on your, in, your internal uh, constitution. Joy isn't based on what's going on outside of you. Joy is based on what's going on inside of you. And you can have joy even when you're dealing with difficult people. This is what God's trying to do. He's trying to teach you how to have joy. Even in the midst of chaos and How's he gonna teach you patience? By giving you what you want, when you want, and how you want it? God's not Burger King. I'm gonna have it my way. No, you're not, God says. If I'm gonna teach you patience, is he just gonna give it to you when you want it, when you want it, how you want it? No, he's gonna, he's gonna make you wait. He's gonna make you trust. He's gonna make you be still. How's he gonna develop gentleness? By putting lovable little fur balls into your life? No. 
by putting prickly people that are hard to hold and you have to be gentle with them. Difficult people are an opportunity for me to grow, to develop my faith and develop care, to become more like Jesus. Listen, God uses difficult people. God used, God used Pharaoh to turn Moses into a leader. God used Goliath to turn a shepherd boy into a king. God used the Midianites to turn Gideon into a hero. God used the 11 brothers of Joseph to put him out of his family, sell him into slavery, to one day he could rise to the prime minister of Egypt and not only save his family, but save the people of God. God, he used a, 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 a difficult king, Nebuchadnezzar, to put uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire so that they could come out and declare the glory of the Lord and a whole nation would bow before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God used Judas to sell Jesus out. So you and I today could enjoy eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Difficult people aren't people we run from. They're people we grow through. Some of you, maybe you wanted me to tell you how God was going to alleviate your stress and change the person who's being difficult, but God's more interested in changing you instead of changing your circumstance. God is far more interested in developing your character than he is in alleviating your stress. Today could be a, truly a turning point for many of you that are dealing with a difficult person. It could be a turning point for you to grow to the next level of faith in your journey to spiritual maturity. If you will allow the people and the pressures and the trials to shape you into the image of Jesus.